longing for the days when dying musicians were the worst thing about 2016, welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to the 243rd episode of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, how are you? And Lex Galanis. Hi, how you doing? Lex, first of all, who are you and what are you doing here? I am an English student. I, um, I'm working for The Bubble um, at the moment. Uh, Mainly writing about sport, and within that, mainly writing about football. Um, I've been here in Argentina for just over a month now, and um, yeah, that's me. Thanks for the introduction, <laughs> and welcome. Um, obviously, there's, there's one thing that uh, isn't really Argentine football-related, but which has brought the whole uh, continent together in the last few days. I don't need to tell you what it is, no doubt you've already heard about it. If you've not, then... Uh, try googling <laughs> things that have happened in South American football in the last couple of days um, we can't really say too much um, that doesn't sound trite or, or useless but uh, for what it is worth you know, we extend the sympathies of everybody at Hand of Pod um, to all of the, the people who are affected by, by the Chapecoense um, plane crash there were one or two Argentines who were tangentially affected. I think that one of the coaching staff or one of the journalists who was killed was a former Rosario Central player in the 70s. Um, and of course Alejandro Martinuccio, the only uh, Argentine member of Chapecoense's squad, escaped by virtue of being injured, so he didn't travel to the match. Um, but it is dreadful. We have our generation's... Munich or Superga or whichever uh, parallel you want to, to draw with it and well hopefully the investigations are going to be quick and, and conclusive um, it seems from, from what's already coming out that, that there's not it's going to be a, a fairly open and shut case um, but we will refrain from commenting obviously on that too much until we actually have those investigations um, but yeah obviously it couldn't go completely ignored even, even though it doesn't involve um, an Argentine club this week um, and so I wanted to say that before we start. And now, sorry, uh, sorry, Sam. Uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to say that not directly, but uh, of course there weren't Argent Argentines there in that flight. But uh, for example, indirectly it had to do with because of uh, Bausa, who was a teammate of the one you mentioned, the who was now a, a, a journalist but was former player. And uh, Alessandro, who had, uh, uh, I think, teammates that now are at Chapecoense, or at least they play, he played against mm -hmm. them because he was a lot of time, eight years or so, in, at eight Inter, years, yeah. Inter de Porto Alegre, and Bausa, who was, uh, I, I don't remember if I mentioned him, 
but Bowser was a, a, a also teammate of the one uh, who died, that, that uh, journalist, former player. And he was the coach of Caramelo, the right back, when he was at Sao Paulo, oh, he course. played for him. Um, now, at, of course, Chapecoense. Well, so it's just incredible to believe that it happened. And so it's, yes, it has nothing to do with countries or to teams. Fortunately, and this happens every time, when a tragedy like this happens, all, all of the teams, all of the players, and there is no difference between them to help, to try to help, to, to pray. And, well, I, for example, I was touched by the Liverpool against Leeds, uh, before uh, and before the match, that all of the stadium was was silent. All of the, the stadium, not only the players, but all of the of the supporters also. So, well, uh, yes, yes. Hope uh, the the investigation uh, comes to the true and and, and well, the fa the relatives of the players to have to be strong and try to 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 survive. Uh, it's not to to live but to survive uh, fundamentally because when for example the mother of a player is told that his son has died because of a, an accident like this what, what can you say to her? <coughs> Absolutely um, also I suppose it is worth uh, no doubt some listeners are going to be wondering about the response here in Argentina it's, it's been wall to wall um, particularly on the sports television networks obviously but also on the sort of normal news networks um, and yeah, in fact, funnily enough, I've just turned over. We have the television on silent while we record, and I've just turned over to TSA Sports, where Marcos Angeleri uh, is giving an interview with the San Lorenzo player, um, who, I don't know what he's saying in this one, of course, we have the television on mute, but I know what he said to one of the other media earlier in the day, which was, of course, it was his shot that was turned off the line by Danilo um, in the very last minute of, of the second leg last week. So, I mean, God knows how he's feeling, let alone anybody else. Um, and I'm going to stop now because I can feel myself welling up, <laughs> even just, just saying this. So we're going to move on to uh, the Argentine League, um, which is uh, what we're more used to covering, of course. And um, just for the avoidance of any ambiguity, by the way, obviously, it goes without saying that the Copa Sudamericana final first leg isn't taking place shortly after we uh, recorded. It was scheduled to. Um, Not only the... that, Atletico Nacional uh, asked Conmebol mm. for yeah. Chepagüenzi to be the winners. Absolutely, um, and they will be. Uh, they're inviting fans to to their stadium at match time, all dressed in white as well as as a homage. Um, but two matches that will be taking place this week, as scheduled, are the two Copa Argentina semi-finals. The first of which is between Belgrano and Rosario, Rosario Central. Central thank you, and that's taking place tonight in yes. just about two hours' time. That'll be kicking off. Um, and the second, obviously, is, is River Plate against uh, oh, bloody hell, Gimnasia. <laughs> There in the end, where of course there will be a, a special like an homage because uh, green balloons will be taken by the players ah. uh, for well, well, they come out to the, to the pitch, of course. Mm. Um, as well as that, at the weekend, all of Argentina's clubs will be playing with a Chapecoense um, badge and a black ribbon on their shirts. Um, uh, but anyway, the, the Copa Argentina semi finals are taking place as scheduled. And obviously that means that if you listen right the way through to the end of the podcast, I will give you the result from the first of those, which is um, Belgrano against Central later tonight. Um, the results from the weekend, moving on to football, just football now, um, and trying to cheer ourselves up a bit, 
were as follows. Tempele 1, Lanús 3, and Tacheres de Cordoba 0, Arsenal de Sarandín 0, both on Friday night. On Saturday, Tigre got a 3-0 home win against Quilmes. Newell's Old Boys got a 2-1 away win over Colón. <coughs> Banfield ended Estudiantes' unbeaten start to the season. Um, unbeaten league start to the season, we should say. Uh, with a very, very entertaining 3-2 win. Atletico Tucumán nil, Belgrano nil, and Rosario Central 1, Olimpo 1 were the other two results from Saturday. And then on Sunday, River Plate um, kept another clean sheet. They're doing quite well in defence all of a sudden, from time to time, rather sporadically, um, as they beat Huracán 1-0. Aldo Civi drew with Vélez Sarsfield 0-0 in, uh, in La Plata, in Mar del Plata. Uh, Sarmiento versus Godoy Cruz ended 2-2 San Lorenzo were beaten 2-1 in the Nuevo Gasometro by Boca Juniors Racing beat Independiente 3-0 in the Clásico so if you followed my advice in my bubble uh, weekend preview and were watching that one only for the atmosphere and were ignoring the football then sorry <laughs> um, Defensa Justicia 1, Patronato 2 Gimnasia 1, Union 1 and San Martín nil, Atlético de Rafaela 3, all took place on Monday. Gimnasia played on Monday night when they got a midweek cup game. That yes, wouldn't have happened would. if they were Boca Juniors. Mm. Good grief. Many yes, more and and I have haven't heard any complaints, or mm. perhaps there were, but I hadn't. Uh, I, I was noticed about that. Uh, because it's incredible, yes. Three, three days before. Which matches uh, did you two pay the most attention to over the weekend? Uh, well, I watched the Boca game, and uh, well, they're on a bit of a run now, aren't they? And uh, I think after this game, top top scorers in the league. I think that first goal, you, you kind of saw why Tevez and Benedetto lighting it up, um, beautiful through, through ball, mm. and an absolutely exquisite finish. I think Benedetto. That's I don't know. I think four or five goals in the last four games, and uh, in the league, Benedetto has seven goals so far this season. Seven, and I, I think you're right. He's on a bit of a run, yeah. certainly in the last few. In fact, he must be because he got a hat trick against Kielmes, didn't he? That was in the fourth round. So, and, and the other four goals that he scored, have, have, yeah, they've all come in those last few matches. Yes, before Juicy uh, scored his goal, he was top goal scorer beyond. Uh, uh, joined with him, mm. yeah, and with Maxi Rodriguez as well. Though. I think oh. I'm sure one of the Newell's players who scored went joint with Rodriguez because obviously that game took place before as well. Um, I, I'm sort of glad you mentioned that, really, uh, Lex, because we, you know, have quite frequently underlined the the inconsistency in Boca's play. Their performances aren't always sort of the most convincing when they're playing weaker teams, at least. Um, but the last time that they lost a match was in the first round against Lanús since then. And they're now yeah. 10 games unbeaten. They've got six wins and four draws in the league. Um, how have you, as, as a I guess, relative newcomer to Argentina, I mean, I'm guessing that you'd heard of Boca and River before yeah, getting course. here. Yeah. Uh, how have you sort of um, found them compared with what you were maybe expecting to see in terms of their stature? Uh, well, I think... When when you come here for the first time, you you look you, you're expecting Boca River. They're the only clubs anyone's heard of from Argentina. Fat for you know people from Europe for outsiders, mm-hmm. and um, 
and yeah, their you know their, their performances in the league, apart from what we're seeing right now, aren't really what you would expect. You know, I've I'd never heard of Estudiantes and uh, or or Newells, and yeah, they're, they're the teams at the top now, and yeah, yeah. Um, San Lorenzo have hit a big rut. I mean, three or four weeks ago we were talking on here about how they were the, the Argentine Barcelona. Well, we didn't exactly use that phrase because that would be hyperbolic, and as everybody knows, we don't do hyperbole here on Hand Pod. Um, but we were praising their, their beautiful football and they were in fantastic form. And since then, in the last three or four weeks, they've gone out of the Copa Argentina gone out of the Copa Sudamericana and have lost their last ooh, I don't know whether they've lost the last couple in fact but they, they've, they've been dropping a lot of points in the league they have they beat Independiente didn't they they were their reserves yes um, but they've lost oh okay no, only, only against Boca they've, they've lost one out of their last one matches it's a <laughs> <one>. um, <laughs> yes <laughs> the, the, according to the last match it was 0% of accuracy mm. um but uh, what's going on? I mean, this was a big game, and it was on the back of a, 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 a big elimination, which obviously has become um, perhaps more difficult for them to deal with mentally, given what's happened perhaps, this week. Yeah. Um, but when, when the game was played, you know, it was going to be San Lorenzo are, are going to be up for this, and they're going to need a big performance and a big result. Um, in front of their own fans to sort of get the title challenge back on track to underline that, that they're going to be up there challenging Estudiantes and I mean really I, I was expecting them to, to do it particularly given that they're one of the very few clubs who don't feel cowed when they play against Boca Juniors they, they have a, a winning head-to-head record against them even after this defeat um, and I was surprised by how sort of limp they looked I mean Boca were again just to underline this Boca were very good um, but San Lorenzo didn't offer very much at all going forward. They, they looked really disjointed. It was strange. Uh, of course, it had to do with the, the elimination from Copa Argentina and Sudamericana, both in one, one week of, of difference. Mm. Um, it's like, it's like suddenly they got out of fuel or, 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 or the, the, the play they, they used to have before playing against Gimnasia, uh, because it was only three matches in which they finally got out of every, everything, all the competition, of course, not the tournament because it's only there were only 11 rounds uh, played and, and there is still 19. Um, but uh, yes, it looks like uh, in three matches they all, 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 of, all the things they, they got, it's like they are gone. Um, it's, uh, and well, I remember Artigosa complaining when they uh, were eliminated by Chapecoense uh, last week that they are they were upset because they had to play very often one match with, uh, with the other one uh, mm-hmm. well uh, look gimnasia <laughs> you mentioned three three days of difference between one match and the other uh, but uh, he he was like angry because of that because they didn't have time and they had to play on FIFA rounds. Um, and well, of course, that was a, a handicap they, they they gave. But well, in terms of play, uh, they also had had a bit of bad luck when when Colchini got injured just in the beginning of the match against Boca, and Salazar, the one who replaced him, made a terrible mistake for Boca to to 
to score the second goal, uh, I think it was Bow, uh, Walter Bow. Mm. So yeah. it's like everything what was perfect in three matches. It's, it was like a conspiracy uh, that uh, uh, that injure or the the, the 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 being eliminated from two cups that were important. <coughs> so everything together, uh, which was uh, like the planets that were all <laughs> the same line mm. now it's all the other way and speaking of teams who performed surprisingly pathetically in a big match we shall move on to Independiente um, who played in the biggest match of the weekend in wrestling versus Independiente Andres and I last week were talking just to remind listeners um, about how it was a really high pressure game for both clubs you had two managers who had hadn't had disastrous results but who who weren't entirely sort of didn't seem entirely happy with the club the club the fans didn't seem entirely happy with either of them and it was very much going to be we thought a case of perhaps both teams sort of going for it a little bit in the first half but then both settling for the draw and avoiding defeat against their biggest rivals um and sort of you know self-preservation in the second half um and as it happened, it didn't work out that way. It was it was a surprisingly entertaining game for a, a Clásico de Avellaneda. Um, and Independiente didn't turn up at all, except for Jorge Ortiz, who provided what I feel should be credited as an excellent assist um, for Lisandro López's, I think it was his first goal. Um, Jorge Ortiz, of course, being an Independiente midfielder. <laughs> Um, which is where the problem goes. There was a sort of mazy dribble towards his own goal for about 10 <laughs> yards before... I mean, obviously accidentally, but laying the ball off to Licha, who, who stuck it in the net via a deflection. Um, this, at least for, for Sialinski, first of all, for Racing, um, this could be the, the kind of win that really gets the whole club finally behind him, couldn't it? Yes. Two, two weeks ago, I think, or, or two episodes ago, I think we, we talked about the, the that Sialinski was like finding an, the way in order to... to to drive these players and players like were starting to understand Zielinski uh, and after two or three bad uh, bad matches it was like mm, I don't like Zielinski defensive style uh, and Lisandro Lopez this told, told by the, the supporters of course of course not me and Lisandro Lopez uh, criticizing high, uh, uh, very strongly Zielinski saying that we were uh, just very on their on their goal uh, on, the, on, on our side, sorry, uh, at the 58th minute, 13 minutes uh, into the second half, they were like very uh, defensive. Well, and this is a proof that sometimes criti- critics are welcome. Uh, that sometimes critics are, are, are if, if said it at the right sense, uh, could fix problems and well, uh, Racing did it. But we, we talked about this, about the for me, was slight favorite. The Racing were slight favorites, not mm. so, uh, not to, to score a three, a three nil, nil difference, but to, to be the, the favorites, uh, because Independiente of, of bo- both teams were even even worse, and of course they were playing at the cylindro. Um, so now we will have to see whether what happens to Independiente staff, uh, especially. Uh, well, I, I heard that the players. Uh, half of the team will be replaced by by Milito, who w- won't uh, quit and won't be fired. Mm-hmm. From Racing's point of view, we we began the season talking about how they seem to be finding it easier to play away than they were at home. 
initially, perhaps because of the pressure of the fans. They've now won their last four home games in a row, conceding one goal in the process uh, during the 2-1 win over Newell's, of course, who at the time was second in the table, so an understandable one to concede. Um, from Independiente's point of view, though, if they have one thing going for them before Sunday, then it was their solidity. They weren't sort of giving away too much. The, the previous defeat to San Lorenzo at the time seemed like it would be, you know, notwithstanding that. And now they've let in five goals in the last two matches, both in big games, but in San Lorenzo's case, it was against the kids. Um, that is, against San Lorenzo's kids, with Independiente's uh, adults, let's say. Um, and in, in the case of the other game, obviously, in, in the biggest match of the lot, away to Racing, when, if nothing else, they could have been expected to say, you know what, we can actually shut up shop here and look for the result because the fans don't want to lose. Um, so as you say, Andres, Milito isn't going to stand down. He's not going to be fired. Do we give him very much longer? I mean, you'd think now, now that we're into, by the time this goes online into December, um, he's going to have until the end of the year at least. That's another, is it two games we're going to squeeze in now before the, the end no, of the season break? Uh, no, the problem is that if you give him the possibility to to undergo the, the, the pre-season, then you have to, then he has to play because to, mm. uh, there is a common mistake here that you leave him, leave, you give him the possibility to, to uh, be the coach for more two more matches or three, and if the results aren't good, fire him. Mm. But in this case, it's, or, it's now or just leave him until, you know, uh, well into the, 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 the second half of the season because... It has no sense to... Well, it's Argentina and... and it's, it's worth remembering, of course, that that's precisely what Racing did at yes. the start of this season. They, they sacked uh, Diego Coca three days before the season was going to start, before it got delayed by a week. Um, and now it looks like they're finally finding their feet. But Independiente um, are currently on a run. They're four games without a win. They've only scored once in that time. The first two of those games were nil-nil draws. But since then, they've, as I say, let in five and two and um, are still not looking good. We, we were saying before that they were breathtakingly boring to watch. Perhaps you can take that away now. They're no longer so boring because the solidity's gone at the back. So an Independiente game is not now a guarantee of low goals as it was before, but it is probably a guarantee of uh, few or no Independiente goals, let's say. Um, to complete the big five roundup from the weekend, River Plate, as we said, got a 1-0 win over Huracan. Um, it was a lucky one. I didn't catch as much of it as I would have liked to because it was played. Oh, it was almost concurrent with the Barcelona game, I think, wasn't it? Um, and I was sort of half watching each of them. Um, Sebastian Andreusi got the only game, only goal of the game with his head. Andres, you're saying it was lucky. Fill us in on why. I couldn't catch a lot of it, but where I caught, Urakan uh, had a pair of posts that denied mm-hmm. scoring and. And River had the the only goal because of a after a corner kick. I don't know or I don't remember who was the one who headed it before for Juicy to head it into the net. But it was a, a typical goal of a team that plays to uh, that prepares the, the the free kicks and the corner kicks um, and and doesn't play very well with the with the passing short passes and and well. This is this is what's happening happening to River. Uh, the difference is that except for the posts and the bar that had in a in <coughs> couple of opportunities for Rakan, it was I had the feeling that the 
didn't suffer the way they suffered in previous matches when we when they had a a, a, an, a brand new pair of, of backs with uh, center backs with uh, Martinez Cuarta who had played against Newells and mm. Montiel who both had already played but not together yeah. so it was a brand new pair of, of backs and they weren't brilliant but they well uh, prohibited or, or, or uh, prevented the Huracan from, from, from scoring so we can say it was okay because clean sheet there's a bit of a discussion going on in, in River fan forums at the moment about which centre-back pairing should start on Thursday night against Gimnasia in the Copa Argentina semi-final, which obviously um, is, for the moment at least, is, is River's main priority because the Copa Argentina will give them a, a ticket to the Copa Libertadores next year. Um, and the options, at least that I've seen when you know people have been tweeting polls and stuff, have been um, Mina and Montiel, Mina and Martinez Cuarta, Montiel and Martinez Cuarta, or um, the other one. Who is the one? Mina with somebody else who I can't remember, uh, which is really useful, isn't it? I'm very good thing. Once <laughs> <laughs> it will be, or just cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, because Maidana is not uh, not available. Maidana is no, he's not. He's still injured, isn't he? Um, who would you? go for of, of, of those two pairs I mean you would think that Mina as the senior centre-back ought to be the more reliable you know yes. head on his shoulders but having seen him so far it's difficult to say uh, I think that because of, only because of the experience it will be uh, of course it's an only opinion and uh, with not, have, not, not knowing what Gachardo thinks uh, but I think the more uh, logical option will be Mina and Montiel, who has a slightly more experience than, than Martinez Cuarta, who had played only two matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- I think that will be the most intelligent option. Uh, we will see. Um, as, as a match that could eliminate you from not only Copa Argentina, but also Copa Libertadores, you have to be very, very careful. Indeed. Regarding the semi-finals, um, really, really briefly, because obviously we're going to be going online after the first of them anyway so there's not much point in doing a proper preview but um, Central Belgrano who are we predicting who are we giving the edge for that one I want to try and make one I, I'm going to go for Central they, they've stepped it up fantastically in the Copa Argentina I think they're probably the most um, what's the word I'm looking for consistent uh, club in the Copa Argentina since it's been refounded because they've reached two finals Without any success, and in the, the semis a couple of times. No, sure, <laughs> but in terms of how far they get yeah. before going out, um, I, I, I'm going to give the edge to them. But it is very much going to depend on which which of them turns up, which Rosario Central turns up for it. I think. Yes, we have to remember that when they were going to play against Boca for quarterfinals, <coughs> everyone and I think we we also predicted Boca would win, and Central surprised because uh, they were just the very very uh, very aggressive or more aggressive than they were uh, for for the tournament playing much better than that in the tournament like if they were thinking well this is our possibility to advance in the cup and or, or Copa Argentina and we will have time to 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 advance in the tournament even when we aren't very good uh, at that, uh, at, that at this point 
and they played a, a very very intelligent match and very good match not letting Boca at least in the first half to be uh, dangerous yeah Belgrano uh, meanwhile have, have been in pretty awful league form um, worse than Central worse than the River I think the, the worst of the four teams left in it if, if I'm not mistaken um, they are one, two, three, four, five, seven games without a win in the league but they're here in the Copa Argentina um, semi-finals and they're in in the running for their second consecutive um, continental appearance, therefore, because obviously they, they were in the Sudamericana this year. Um, but I'm not... They're having so many problems scoring that, that I think that Central's extra firepower in a big game, really, Central ought to be able to push through. River against Gimnasia, I think, looks a bit closer than it would have done at the start of the season for me. I think it will be, uh, uh, of course, well, uh, as 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 we don't know, <laughs> uh, even w- who will be the the the, the pair of, of centre backs. It's difficult to to preview uh, a, a result or, or or something very something sure. But uh, I I I must say River will win by a very narrow dif- distance or mm-hmm. difference, or perhaps one goal or or even penalty shootout. Uh, of course. At, at the risk half, of half a preview that I think because because I think it will be like that and half of it because I support her. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick my neck out and say River and Central, and I think you know looking forward even further. Um, I think it feels like Central's time now. Um, they see it seems like you know they're set they're itching to set the record straight from last year mm. after you know what they perceived as. An unjust loss to Boca, and um, yeah, yeah. I would, um, I would certainly agree that you know, at the risk of uh, being proved wrong before we <laughs> even go on air uh, by by the yeah. first of the semi-finals, that at this distance, River v Central looks like the most likely final lineup. Um, but frankly, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to both semi-finals because I think they're both going to be quite close games. That as we've been saying, you know, none of the four teams involved are really on the very top of their form, in spite of the fact that they're in a cup semi-final. Um, but that kind of adds some intrigue to it as well. There's, there's no margin for error, and yet there's plenty of potential for error, let's say, on all sides. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna go with Andres and say that, that, that River, you know, again, because of my sympathies as much as anything, um, perhaps have the slight edge, but I, I would agree that Central are going to be, if they make the final, they're going to be going into it... Um, with no lack of motivation at all. Um, I think that we're going to call a half-time break now. Um, And when we come back, we will uh, very briefly have a look at whether there's been any update on the television rights issue, which I know that all of you are thrilled to hear about on a weekly basis. Um, And we will also clean up one or two other little bits and pieces. So don't go anywhere. We were going to talk about the television rights um, advances. We're having to do this from memory because my Wi-Fi has just decided to um, 
and not talk to my computer, although it appears to be talking to Andres's phone just fine, which is lovely. Uh, the joys of modern technology. Um, but Marcelo Tinelli, the vice president of San Lorenzo, television misogynist and many other things, um, was speaking earlier today and, among other things, um, talked about the numbers that have been uh, bandied about in various meetings between AFA and Normalisation Committee people and uh, the television folk, because you will recall that last week um, we were discussing the 2 billion peso offer um, from Turner and Fox, which fell way below what the AFA feel that they uh, should have been getting. The AFA went back there today and said that they wanted, how much was it? Between 3.5 and 4.3 billion, I believe, which is a huge increase on the proposed sum. It is. I think we said last week that the um, the middle sort of, of that range is more or less what the Premier League, the English Premier League, get for their domestic TV rights. Um, to give you some idea of, of what that compares to. D- do we know anything, obviously without being able to bloody look it up at the moment, about you know what they're including in that? Is this going to include all the you know the, the internet um, broadcasting rights and, and the rest of it? Or I think it, it, I I haven't uh, heard, but uh, I, I believe that it, there is so big increase that should include other things like this, like the streaming or, or internet or something like that because uh, it's well uh, in return for what is the, the increase or, or 2.5 or 4 billion dollars or pesos sorry mm. uh, it has no sense to if, if if Fox and Turner offer 2 billion pesos and they say it's no well it's only it's uh, we need more okay how 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 much uh, 3.5 billion and the same, you, you you give us the same, and you are asking us to give you almost double the money. It's has no sense. So I I think I don't know if he has heard something or or, or read something, but uh, well, realistically as well, they're not going to accept an offer under under two point five at least, because that was that was the sum offered back in July by by the government themselves, and that was rejected. Mm. Or was that you know uh, four or five months ago, or whatever? Because it, it wasn't enough, and because you know it wasn't wasn't working with the government. Um, so yeah. you know, may, maybe you know this, these figures of up to four. Uh, I can't imagine they're going to double the sum offered, but uh, we'll probably be looking so, uh, at least in in excess of two point five. I think. Indeed, the uh, as we sort of said last week, the one thing that the buyers have got going for them is that this is um, very much a buyer's market because the offers among their bargaining tools has been pointing out that they're absolutely desperate to sell, yeah. um, which is perhaps not the most intelligent thing for them to have done, even though it was pretty obvious, even if they hadn't said anything. Um, so yes, we're still without any internet access, which is brilliant. Um, so we're going to move on to some questions, which fortunately... I loaded before we started recording. Um, if you have sent any questions while we've been recording, then I apologise if we don't ask them. It's because um, my Wi-Fi doesn't want me to ask them. So the first question of the ones that we did get was from Chris Hinchcliffe, who said, will, will we be covering the tragedy in South America? Um, obviously, as we said at the start, we, we couldn't go without mentioning it. Um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, 
says the tragedy hit me hard it just shows life is short and precious got to make the most of every day indeed it does and um yeah, and, and as Liam also says, um, we support the idea that Atletico Nacional had of, of awarding Chapico into the cup. And if these reports are accurate about Atletico Nacional wanting this as well, um, and also giving them the um, the prize money from it to uh, divvy up among the, the victims' families. Um, Tariq Al Haida asks I only follow the national team, not the Primera, as it's tough to follow here in Saudi Arabia, but whatever happened to Gino Peruzzi? What happened to Gino Peruzzi is he grew a massive big hipster beard um, and has joined Boca Juniors, where he's playing all right, I think, by and large, this yes. season. What happened really is that he became injured against San Lorenzo, but he has recovered and he will be playing against his wrestling. Mm. So I don't know if, if he asks what happened in terms of the, of the injury or, or what happened because... Or how how is he playing? Well, he was playing yes recently. Yeah. His his form's been um, been been good this season. Boca have had some issues at fullback, but it's been largely at left back, and it's been when um, Jonathan Silva has been playing because Frank Fabra is a demonstrably much better left back than Silva, and I'm not really sure why Silva ever plays when Fabra's fit, but for some reason they're rotated. Um, but at right back, Caruzzi has, has really been holding down his place in the Boca team um, and, and it's been pretty good but I still it, it, the beard I, I can't get over it um, Tariq also adds all prayers and positive energy to Chapico Inzi and everybody affected by the crash again we echo those sentiments um, Tom Robinson asks given Argentina's problems in defence do you reckon that Nico Pareja or Gustavo Cabral merit call-ups both are doing well in Spain um, if I'm not mistaken Pareja plays for um Bloody hell! The Sevilla. team who played Sevilla, or, or Sevilla. He, he plays for Sevilla. Yes, that's right. I knew that I'd watched him at the weekend because I was watching yeah. Sevilla against whoever it was they were playing, Valencia, um, and mo- partly because there were a lot of Argentines on the pitch. Um, and I, w- I would say that Pareja is, is you know, we've, we've discussed how Valencia's centre back Nicolas Garay, Ezequiel Garay, even uh, getting him mixed up with Nicolas Gaetan again. Um, we have discussed how Valencia's centre-back, Ezequiel Garay, um, has somehow become the forgotten man of the national team's defence. But I think, you know, I'd forgotten at least anyway, Pareja as well. Um, he left Argentina quite young, didn't he? Because he, he was the one who went to Liverpool and then barely played for them and then moved to Spain. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder whether that sort of plays into uh, the fact that he doesn't play much or at all for Argentina because they're not really sort of aware of him as much. Uh, he, he, I don't remember if he has already played for the national, the major team, or, or, or only for the youth. Uh, but he has already been called up. Uh, as I say, I don't remember whether for the <coughs> national, for the big, or major, or the or the under 20. Mm. But in, if I had to choose between Pareja and Cabral, I would choose definitely Pareja. Mostly because I don't, I don't have a good, uh, I don't remember very well. That uh, having played very well for River, Octavo Cabral, who uh, before going to the Celta, I know Getafe, I think before Celta, if I don't, I am not mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, he played awfully for River, and I don't know why he he left to Europe. Um, but if I had to choose between them, it's, it would be Pareja and perhaps Caray. Indeed. So the, the the very short answer is that they ought to. Yes, both of them. Um, with perhaps Pareja 
uh, further ahead in the pecking order, in our imaginary pecking order. Um, Bob Roberts asks whether it's true that the lone Argentine in the Chapecoense squad missed the flight due to injury. Uh, it is. Alejandro um, Martinuccio is the, the person in question. Um, Carolon Grois, or Grois tweets in to say, Argentina obviously haven't been blessed with great goalkeepers for a while, but why have the likes of Rulli, etc. not been given a chance? I think because, um, first of all, because Sergio Romero, although uh, he doesn't play much for his club, um, the various clubs that he's had since, since joining the national team, um, hasn't ever really done anything, you know, it, apart from, I remember the, the World Cup qualifier in the last cycle against um, Paraguay, um, when he did commit a couple of howlers and, and they scored two goals against him, but Argentina scored five at the other end. Um, apart from that game, I can't ever remember Romero, you know, throwing one into his own net or, or having a nightmare for Argentina, really. I think he's been remarkably dependent. Um, and so I think that some of it is that when you have a goalkeeper who isn't doing anything wrong, why replace him? And also some of it is, and Alejandro Savela made this point um, particularly well during the, the 2014 World Cup, that, that it's as much about a, a group of players and how well the group meshes together um, as it is against about necessarily having the best possible option available um, ability-wise for every position, um, which is why Romero you know, was, was in the squad and in the starting lineup for Argentina and... and did very well in the 2014 I would say also Rudy or Guzman for example mm. uh, who has just bet, uh, remarkably better footwork than than Romero and, but I, I don't watch him I am, I am not actually watching him uh, to uh, the, the number of matches to say yes I, I would like Guzman instead of Romero mm. Uh, because perhaps Guzman is playing for Tigres right now, uh, in the starting lineup, and but I don't watch him. I am not watching him. Uh, so as you say, Romero is not uh, making uh, horrible mistakes or bloopers, like for example the one that uh, made Pellegrino uh, last match for Arsenal. Uh, so yes, it's uh, you have to put to change the goalkeeper when he has made horrible mistakes and there is another one that you are very very sure that he will be much better in, in this case it's not uh, like that I think indeed and the final question that we have is from Ben who asks what has changed at Newell's and can they keep it up we've been asking ourselves the same thing for a fair bit of the season so far um, because Newell's were as you will remember, and obviously this is what prompted Ben's question, um, they were terrible during the Torneo de Transición in the first half of this year. And we've made the point a couple of times already this season that without really changing very many members of the squad um, and without changing tactics and without changing manager, at least since the end of the season, because Ocel is still in charge, isn't he? No. No. Who's the manager? Oh, Sela, yes, sorry. Yeah. I thought if you, that you asked me whether they changed it. No, it's Osela. Bernardi started the year, but, but Osela yes, took charge, what, three or four games, I think, before the end of the season um, and, and has been kept in charge since. Um, I think they, they really... And, and yet the form's gone, they're second in the league. They, they recovered um, Nacho Scocco, mm -hmm. who is not scoring a lot of goals, but he's good at the, uh, 
with the team and uh, Maxi Rodriguez, Coco and Formica I think are the key for the team uh, Formica you know, starting when he uh, came back to news uh, wasn't uh, contributing too much to the team but right now he's uh, much better and, and yes it's uh, I think that three players are are mainly the reason for for news being there uh, now it's now it's two points uh, behind the Estudiantes since Estudiantes lost to Banfield <coughs> and they got a, a key win in Santa Fe against Colón. Um, they are, I think, they, those three players are are basically the the reason. Thank you, Andres. Uh, I was going to go straight into the next little bit, which I was going to under, uh, outline some of the positions in the league. Um, but I decided to run Windows Network Diagnostics and it's now not letting me change tabs in my browser, which is nice. Um, so let's just cancel that and give you the league positions. Uh, the standings, obviously we can't give you the relegation standings because I didn't update the... Um, I, I, I didn't go onto that tab before starting this. But the standings in the league, in the championship, are that, as Andres says, Estudiantes having lost for the first time, uh, in that thriller against Banfield, in which uh, Estudiantes took the lead, Banfield then extended into a 3-1 lead um, before half-time, I think. Yes, three, it was 3-1 half-time. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, and then Estudiantes came back in the second half and, and managed one goal through Lucas Viatri fairly late on. Um, in fact, we didn't really talk about any of the non-Big 5 games, so just to big up, man of the weekend for me um, was Walter Eviti, who scored... Uh, Banfield's third goal and set up the second with, as lots of people put it um, on, on Twitter, an assist without touching the ball. A beautiful, beautiful step day, over. Yeah. Um, for uh, Mauricio Sperduti to score against his old club. No, he didn't play again. No. Who scored against their old club? Was it one of the Colon? Oh, it was Prediger against Colon. Yes. Um, so well done, uh, Walter Eriti. Uh, but anyway. Estudiantes now, no longer unbeaten, but still top of the league with 26 points. But Newell's old boys, with that win over Colón, um, are only two points behind them on 24. And Boca Juniors are on the podium on 22 points. So the title race is now looking very interesting, having only a week ago, uh, looks like Estudiantes might make it to the halfway point of the season unbeaten and be sort of streaks ahead before the Libertadores campaign started. In fourth are Racing and San Lorenzo are in fifth on goal difference behind Racing. Both of those teams have 21 points. Um, and then River and Lanús both have 19. Tacheres and Banfield both have 18. Um, so we're now sort of getting down to the... I mean, they're all eight points behind um, the leaders. So I think realistic title challenges at this stage of the season is probably that top four. Estudiantes, Newells, Boca, Racing... But there's still a long way to go, of course. Um, down at the bottom, if I can remember correctly, we've still got the results up here at least. Um, let's see, just going on, on what I can remember of the standings last week, Atletico de Rafaela getting a 3-0 win away to San, San Martín is a very big result for them. Um, I don't think it pulls them up to a point per game, but um, it, it's, it's going to help, although I suspect they're still probably lost anyway. Uh, Defensa Justicia against Paraná was a bit of a six-pointer in that one uh, against Patronato, sorry um, De Paraná was a bit of a six-pointer or a point-sixer um, and uh, Patronato got the win there and the other big relegation battle I remember saying last week was going to be 
at Tacheres against Arsenal, um, which you might remember me saying if Tacheres uh, had managed to win in that game, they would have gone up to 20 points from 11 games. And I suspect that a little bit over a point per game is going to be enough to keep them up this season. Um, so although they didn't win, they're now on 18 points from 11 games. They only need, I mean, in my opinion, another 15 points um, is highly likely for me to... Uh, that, that'll be 1.1 points per match, and given the situation sort of in the relegation table... Uh, I think that that's going to be enough to save them. And they've managed 18 from the first 11 games, so 19 matches to get another 15. Yeah, but you know. yes, winning will have been even safer for them. Because mm. will mean Arsenal be even more down than they, than they are uh, than they are right now. And uh, Tachelis be, of course, uh, in even better position. But what? Absolutely. Um, we are going to go on now to uh, mystical predictions, and as the uh, guest here, uh, Lex is going to predict this week's match. No, not really. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, our mystical predictions this week are from Gav, so here is Mystic Gav's theme music. Fortunately, I loaded these predictions up, or rather, uh, I've got TweetDeck on and it saved the message that Gav sent me with them in earlier, so I am able to read these out. Uh, Gav is going for Quilmes against Sarmiento to be a draw, Huracan against Colón de Santa Fe, he says home win, uh, Newells against Banfield is going to be a Newells win, Atlético de Rafaela versus Defensa Justicia, which is something of a relegation fight. Um, is a draw. He's going for a Tigre win at home to Aldo Civi, a an Atlético Tucumán win away to Godoy Cruz, um, Olimpo de Bahia Blanca against San Lorenzo. He's going for a San Lorenzo victory. Estudiantes to beat Tacheres in La Plata. Uh, Unión and Rosario Central to draw. Patronato to beat Belles Sarsfield in Paraná. Uh, Boca versus Racing. He's got as a draw. Belgrano are going to beat Tempele in Cordoba. Independiente are going to beat River Plate in Avellaneda. That's a big call. Um, Arsenal de Sarandí against San Martín de San Juan is going for a draw. And Lanús are going to beat Gimnasia y Agrima La Plata at home. What do we think of those, gents? Big call on the uh, Independiente game. Mm. Not so sure about that, it's, you know, given their form at the moment and the opponent, um, I can't say I agree. <laughs> Perhaps he says that because uh, River will play three days before uh, for uh, Copa Argentina and the team will be very, very different. Anyway, I, I think it will be a draw. I don't, I'm not sure River could win even independent a bad moment. And uh, uh, the Cruz, I think the Cruz will win because they, they, they are one of those teams that play very very well home condition and they are very very worse or they are crap in a way but this time they play they play home so I think Godi Cruz I don't even remember who will play them against them but 
Godoy Cruz home, I think, is mostly a win. Godoy Cruz uh, playing Atletico Tucumán. Um, and as we said, Gav's going for an away win there. Atletico Tucumán have been okay. Not quite as good as um, the first half of the year, but fairly decent. I think it's going to be an interesting game, that one. Um, this is actually a, a good uh, juncture at which to mention that budget changes um, at the bubble mean that my columns there are going to be moving to a monthly basis for the next few months, which means, if you're a regular reader of the um, weekend football previews that I've put up on Friday there, um, I'm not, they've not got a home at the moment. I think I might resurrect my blog, uh, Aste on Gol Siempre, um, to put those up still on Fridays just to keep myself in practice. Um, so I will be tweeting links to those if I decide to write them. And, uh, you know, if you want to tweet me in the next... Uh, 24 hours or so and encourage me if you, if you do write them mm-hmm. uh, if you do read them I should say uh, then do let me know because if nobody does then I might just forget or not be bothered um, they will be back on the bubble hopefully uh, by sort of March next year uh, that's the idea anyway um, I think that's it I think we've covered everything guys can we yes. think of anything we've missed? Uh, we can't google for it because I've just <laughs> had to disconnect the router but no I don't I don't think right now Perhaps in five minutes or ten. Oh, we haven't talked about this, but... Absolutely. That's what normally happens. Um, obviously, after uh, the theme music that's coming up now, I will give you the final score of Rosario Central against Belgrano, um, which hasn't been played yet. It's still 45 minutes away at the moment, but the next... What's it going to be? Three hours or so are going to pass very quickly from the listener's point of view. I wanted to point out something strange or mm-hmm. curious... Because there is Madalone talking on TV, who is now the coach of Belgrano after Tete González, Esteban Tete González resigned. Oh, that's right. And he has already uh, been eliminated for, from Copa Argentina by River, uh, with, because he has he had been the coach of Unión, and <laughs> so it's interesting how they how he has advanced to the semi-finals even having lost. Indeed, the peculiarities of manager transfers. Um, there was something I wanted to mention, actually. Go on. So as of uh, this past weekend, there's an Argentine who's now been involved in the most goals in, in Europe this season. And it's not Lionel Messi. It's Mauro Cardi. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he's the second top scorer out of all the, the top leagues in Europe. And he's I think he's clocked up four assists, which makes him... Um, the most potent player in Europe at the moment. Um, wow. And, you know, when's, when's that call-up going to come? Well, you know, we were talking as well about, um, you know, it's important to keep a good a good atmosphere in the squad. Yeah. And Balsa's been saying, you know, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's only football in merits. Is it? Indeed. Uh, we sort of covered a question on this last week, but, um, or, or a couple of weeks ago, possibly, or after the last internationals. But as I always, you know, taken to saying, I, I suspect that uh, the the group um, harmony side of things is is slightly overblown when it comes to Icardi, uh, particularly when you look into what actually happened between him and Wanda. Um, largely, you know, Wanda choosing him rather than him uh, charming her away from yeah. from Maxi. Um, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in March, which obviously is the next opportunity, particularly if, if he's still, if he's still banging you know, the goals, leading yeah. the, uh, the the goals involved in um, uh, tables there. 
uh, watch this space. For now, uh, listeners, thank you very much indeed for listening, putting up with us for another week, and we hope you enjoy the football, and we hope that next week my internet's working a little bit better so I can get more of your questions answered. I apologise again if you did tweet in a question and we didn't ask it. It's because my internet's not working properly. Um, for now, enjoy the football this weekend, and it's thank you and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Lex. Thanks. Bye. And thanks for being involved. Hope you'll come back at some point. Absolutely. And from me, goodbye. The first Copa Argentina semi final is finished, and Rosario Central have beaten Belgrano 2 0 in an entertaining game, meaning that Central have reached their third straight Copa Argentina final. We told you earlier that they've been uh, consistent, um, becoming only the second club to reach three Copa Argentina finals. The difference, of course, being that Central so far have lost their previous two, whereas Boca, the only other club to have done it, uh, won all three of their finals.